Yeah, and like we also have a lot of trust because Mark and I know we're always part of each other, regardless of what happens, regardless of what mood we're in, regardless of things that are we might not be, be happy about. We still have each other's back, no matter what. Welcome to Love Matters. I'm Jeff Cole. And I'm Lori Kret. We're married, licensed therapists, and board-certified coaches specializing in relationship counseling and coaching. We're also the founders of Aspen Relationship Institute. To find out more about the work we do, check us out at aspenrelationship.com. Love Matters is a collection of insights and observations from our own relationship, our work as coaches, and from couples we meet who are living and loving in inspiring ways. Today, we're really excited to welcome Katie Compton and her husband, Mark Legg, to Love Matters. If you're a cycling fan, Katie probably needs no introduction, but she is a 15-time consecutive U.S. National Cyclocross Champion, and with hundreds of other professional wins, she is the most successful cyclocross racer, male or female, in the United States. And Mark is her mechanic, her support, the man behind the scenes, and welcome, guys. We're really uh, happy to have you with us. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. (laughs) So we want to kick off just by hearing the story of how you guys actually met. Yeah, so we met at um, Paralympic uh, World Championships for the Blind in Quebec, Canada. Um, Mark was working as a mechanic, mechanic and team manager, and I was there as an athlete. I was a pilot for a blind athlete on the tandem for from 2002 through 2006. And yeah, and it was a really, uh, it was an awful trip. It rained. The food was awful. It was hot. It was humid. We're doing a lot of racing and, and not a lot of time. And it's just a tough trip. And we ended up uh, hitting it off and really enjoyed spending time together and laughing a lot and kind of making a, a really crappy trip fun and enjoyable. And so we met there and then kind of uh, we just stayed in touch after that. And yeah, kind of blossomed from there. Were you living in different cities when you met? We were. I was living in Missoula, Montana. Uh, I was finishing up um, uh, attending University of Montana for my uh, television production degree um, and then also yeah we just kind of bonded because there's so much downtime between races due to the rain delays so we're just kind of s- sitting around just chatting and talking about bi- bikes and life and just other things and mm-hmm. just kind of connected that way and uh, yeah just got along really well. Yeah and I was in um, Colorado Springs at the time so yeah it was about a year of uh, just kind of keeping in touch and talking on the phone a lot and then uh, after about that year, he after he graduated, he moved down to Colorado. And then we moved in together, and it was pretty much 100% from the get-go. Yeah, it was pretty much all in pretty early. Yeah. Uh, we just yeah. kind of had decided that uh, this was yeah, this was the direction we both wanted to go in, and uh, we kind of made that connection and made that commitment yeah, pretty strongly towards each other, which was, which, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, Mark needed a place to live, so <laughs> <laughs> we really didn't have much of a choice. And we're like, well, let's just, let's see how this goes. We get along super well, so let's just jump into the deep end and see if we can stay together. I think the nice thing was that we had really gotten to know each other long distance. Um, so, you know, we really got to kind of talk a lot and communicate a lot and get to know each other without, you know, I mean, you do have that romantic mist in your eyes and that, and you never see any, anything wrong in your partner. But also because of that long distance is that we really were forced to talk a lot yeah. and, and get to know each other. Yeah. So I think that was a good thing. When you met, were you looking for a relationship? Were you ready for a relationship or was it just not even on your mind? No, it wasn't on either of our minds. It was just, I think it just happened. It's one of those things where you meet somebody you're not planning to, and then you realize like, huh, I've, I have a connection with this person and we get along great and we laugh a lot. And we're just like, this is interesting. And then you just want to see where it goes. And since it was long distance, it was, uh, there was a lot of conversation. So we got to really know each other and we got to see if we actually did, you know, think alike and have similar goals and kind of want the same thing. So um, I think that was a, a good way to start. And how did how did the transition happen where, Mark, you became Katie's mechanic? Uh, I know you were a, a racer previously. Yeah, I've been a bike racer as well as I'd worked in a bike shop um, for over 10 years, plus doing professional fittings as well. We had a really big reputation for that. I really enjoyed that. And that was 
actually my first reason for going to college was actually doing physical therapy um i really wanted to kind of apply that to you know bike racing and bike fits and things like that but you know i had to go to community college then my undergrad and then it was a graduate degree i'm like oh this is just too long to <laughs> spend in school um for a you know basically a, a work skill um so i changed over from exercise science uh, over to television production which is my other interest but i i'm always been i don't want to say perfectionist but i do like clean bikes that work well and naturally i'm going to look after my partner's bike so that that was the natural thing you do yeah and i think um mark actually got me back into cyclocross racing so it's kind of like he got me where i am now um i started racing cross kind of the end of, like last couple of years in college and I really enjoyed it. And then I, then I grew up in Delaware, so I moved out to Colorado. I, was a, I got a degree in exercise science, and I needed an internship to finish that degree. And I got a coaching internship in Colorado. So I moved out for that. And uh, I hadn't raced cross for a couple of years. Uh, I still rode my bike quite a bit doing the Paralympic stuff. But then when Mark and I got together, I started doing some more cross racing because he loves cross too. And so we just he kind of pushed me to go to nationals in 2004 and I was like, yeah, okay, sure. We just been racing Colorado, having fun with it. Um, but I was good at it and I was doing really well in the cat three men's category. And so Mark <laughs> kind of, yeah, he kind of pushed me to be like, let's go to nationals and see how it goes. Yeah. And we had friends living in Portland. So we just went and we're, you know, staying in our friend's basement in Portland and, you know, I borrowed a bike for my second bike. It was one of those just kind of decided to get through together and then realized, you know, and I won that weekend and it was one of those like, Oh my God, wasn't expecting that, but I'm apparently good at this. So <laughs> this is the thing. kind of how it started. And that kind of, that, he fell into the role of my mechanic because I wasn't on a team. We were just doing it on our own. And you need a mechanic, you need support to, to race crossball. And so it kind of started from there. So he didn't choose yeah. it. He just pushed me to do it. So technically. It's my he, fault. <laughs> his fault. And he kind of um, got me back into cross racing again. So. Yeah, we can blame him on everything else. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love working on bikes, and it was only natural that I was really into cyclocross, and like Katie was good at cross, and we'd just go race locally, and like it was only natural for me to set the bikes up and get them running well and things like that. So, yeah, that was kind of, you know, a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not planned. <laughs> So there's an article from Villa News over the last mm -hmm. year or so that, that highlighted the relationship that you have. And one of the quotes in there is that Mark knows exactly what Katie needs, kind of both on and off the bike, to support her success. Mm -hmm. So Katie, I'm, I'm curious for you what support looks like back to Mark in the relationship. A lot of it for me is um, just being there for him, for his like an emotional support and you know, supporting him what he wants to do, cooking for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I used to be the cook and then I got her interested in and yeah. she's so good at it. I kind of forgot how to cook. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is like Mark just had some trust issues in the past and I like I'm the one person I think he can go to for all of it, which is sometimes a lot, but also he knows that uh he can be open and talk to me about things and I can give him good advice, but also just be there as a wife, just supportive and like, uh, you know, agreeing, I guess. I think, I hope that's uh, <laughs> enough. I think so. <laughs> I think we're also a little curious about how do you keep separate identities? So Mark, you know, mm -hmm. I think you've even sort of jokingly put yourself out there as Mr. Katie Compton. Katie, obviously, her career kind of takes the forefront in a lot of ways in this relationship. And so where do you explore and express your own identity and, and keep anchored into that as well? I mean, the, well, the Mr. Katie Compton thing kind of comes as kind of the, the joke of, um, you know, women has, uh, have historically been referred to by Mr. So, so, Mrs. So-and-so, um, which I always thought was really ridiculous. So uh, it's more of a kind of a joke and a dig on that old uh, idea that a woman is you know identity is tied to her husband's name yeah <laughs> so, so he just did the opposite <laughs> so i did the opposite just as a joke because i think it's kind of funny to just do a little bit of role reversal just to point out how ridiculous it kind of looks it yeah. sounds the nice thing is you know we 
we have a lot of similar interests, but also, you know, we also have a, a natural um, interest that, you know, we need to, you know, kind of uh, search out ourselves. But then we come back and kind of talk about that. I mean, I've kind of explored uh, a lot more car racing in the last couple of years and also uh, coaching for, for that, which actually there's so many parallels to bike racing because as many coaches may agree that maybe 75% of coaching is psychological and 25% is the actual, yeah, physical part. the actual physical part, the scheduling part. But it's um, even though we spend so much time together, we still have our own interests. Uh, that's still, you know, we're both actually both interested in. I mean, Katie you know, loves driving the car, or she loves driving the car fast and doing competitive events and things like that. So even though we have those separate identities, it still kind of meshes well with who we are anyway. Yeah, we um we like the same things and we always have. And that's one thing like it makes life super easy when we yeah. like the same paint color, we like the same furniture, yeah. we want the same couch, we want the same dog. Like there's very few things that we like disagree on. Well there's um, a big one. Hmm. music okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so road trips we always default to podcasts because i can't, i hate his music he hates my music i think we agree on like some classic rock and what else elton john <laughs> <laughs> and jack johnson jack johnson yeah so that, there's a few go-to's the, for music but like we we have so much in common that like we, we both try not to attach identities to bike racing because we know that's not who we are. We, that's what we are good at. We enjoy doing it. We do it together. His success, my success is his success and kind of goes back and forth with that. But we try to think of like do other things as well. We just enjoy the same things. Like our podcasts are fairly similar with what we like to listen to. Um, he'll add some more motorsports stuff in there. I add a lot more nutrition type podcasts. So, and then we'll come together and discuss it. So I don't have to listen to all the car racing stuff, but he can just tell me a couple of things here and there that are interesting to me that he, he just knows I'll like. But I don't have to spend an hour listening to the whole thing. Um, and same thing with nutrition. I can give him a couple of things that I've learned that would help him, but he doesn't have to listen to an hour of nutrition. So we got the bike racing as what we enjoy, but we definitely try not to make it our end all and be all. But we just, it's a lifestyle. We enjoy it. We love the racing and everything part of it. So it's hard to... Um, I would say just get out the door when we walk in. We just, it's just part of our lives. And it has been since I was a kid and same with him. We've always ride, ridden bikes and raced. So I think it's just something that we just love to do. Not only just as a job, but as a, as a fun lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, we don't, yeah. we're not a Monday to Friday kind of, you know, work week for us. Every day is a work day. Every day potentially is a work day. So seven days a week. So it's just a lifestyle. And so it is important for us to, obviously, we spend a lot of time together, but we enjoy that time together. But also we have separate podcasts or books and magazines that we read. And, you know, I actually, I'm a big fan of nutrition anyway, but Katie... He doesn't read it like I do. Katie reads a lot more <laughs> than I do. Um, I tend to keep to the shorter research papers, things like that. But, you know, we also have, you know, a really strong interest in dogs and you know, learning about animal behavior and, and things like that, which we you know, both share and raising our, our foster dog, who's a foster fail now. So it's, we are a little different, whereas our lifestyle is who we are, I guess. Yeah. And luckily, it's very similar. Minus music. <laughs> Minus music. Uh, and then there's some movies and TV shows. But, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's not just relationship compromises. That's every single person. I mean, if we were identical, it would just be nauseating <laughs> <laughs> for everyone else. Well, yeah, I think because um, the, the, the quote used to know her, because that's our friend Meredith Millers. I remember her saying that. And it's funny because she spent time with us and we've helped her out in Belgium before. And like, I, I think she pointed out to us because Mark and I bicker a lot. and We don't realize how much we bicker until we have other people in the room mm -hmm. that are in relationships that are just like, I could never do this with my partner. And I'm like, what do you mean? We're just communicating. <laughs> yeah, they get uncomfortable. It's like, no, we're just releasing pressure. And because you don't want to hold it in. No, it's like a small it's simmer. It's unfair to, to not be, you know, yeah. get real with your partner, but also it builds up too much. So we just kind of. Yeah, it works. Pressure release. But yeah, we have a friend of ours. She's a friend of both of ours. And we would go mountain bike out of town drives and be the three of us. And Mark and I would be bickering. And then our friend would be like, I, I like you both. And I don't know whose side to pick. Like, just, just what do I do? <laughs> and I was like, don't worry about it. What do you mean? We're not fighting. We're just like 
we're disagreeing and like this is the way we deal with the disagreement and eventually we'll figure it out like or it just goes away or just or we just like realize like that's not we're not getting anywhere and we just stop but i find it funny like i had no idea it was an issue until people pointed out how much we bicker and i was like huh i just didn't i didn't even realize it was noticeable <laughs> no, no and it's not mean-spirited or anything i mean we just get irritated with ideas or, or you know what the other is doing or somebody has an idea that they don't agree with but it's not, you know, it's not tragic. It's not life changing. It's just a, a way of kind of uh, expressing yourself and also mm -hmm. pressure releasing as well. Um, I think it's, it seems to work really well for us. I think it works well because, like, that way we never really get in an argument because, like, we never let anything boil. And it's, it's always something that we bring it up as soon as it's an issue, it's there. And so we, we kind of discuss it before it becomes an issue. And I think that helps us since we're together all the time. Like we never get to a point where it's so bad we're gonna get angry at each other. It just it's always like dealing with the issue that comes up at when it's small instead of waiting and holding on to it and then obsessing over it and then a week later it's a huge issue. So I think that's what when you spend so much time together, realizing how to communicate on the small stuff, the everyday stuff that might annoy you, that just doesn't come to the service in a huge explosion. I think it, it works for us. You know, you talked a bit about trust earlier. Mm -hmm. And in order to have that level of openness, there's a foundation of trust that's obviously mm -hmm. clear in your relationship. And so mm -hmm. you can be open and authentic in the moment without worrying about hurting each other's feelings or being misunderstood um, because that foundation is there for you. No, the trust mm -hmm. is a really big part of it because I know that what I tell Katie or even if you know, we're bickering, I know that this isn't going to be somehow can used against me or some sort of big issue later like i can trust you with what i'm telling that it won't be kind of used as fodder for something else later on that obviously explodes into a large argument mm -hmm. um so I, I have that trust we have that trust mm -hmm. but i think it's really important that i mean you know sooner or later you're going to disagree you can't agree with every single thing that your partner says or, or, or does that's just not how humans work you know, we're going to have disagreements on the way to do something or the way to drive to somewhere. Or the way to load like the dishwasher. The way to load the dishwasher. <laughs> it's like all that small stuff. It's, but I think that one of the things that's so crucial to the success of uh, relationships is knowing how to argue well. You, you're going to have a dis disagreement. You're going to have an opposing view and you need to express that in a healthy manner. And if you use a manner of uh, uh, personally attacking somebody, then you know that that's not a good way to argue you're not arguing the point you're arguing you know the person and I, we don't really have that at all you know we i think that's always been um something i've observed over the years is that you can tell how well relationships work is how well people argue together no matter what like we might be i might be in a mood and just not not communicating well but i just i always know he's still going to be there for me if i need something like i might not talk to him for six hours but he will do something for me just to make me feel better without even me acknowledging it or needing it or asking for it. But also just trusting in like, we know we're in this for the long haul and we love each other. And so there's no issue with jealousy. There's no issue with like, if he wants to go hang out and do stuff all day or for a weekend or whatever, like I have no question that he's going to come back just a happier person. And there's no issues with meeting somebody else or having any jealousy in there. And I think that helps us too, because we can have our open space like space away from each other. I can do my thing, he can do his. <laughs> On the rare occasion we get to do that. <laughs> and it's, we always come back to each other and it's always um, something we look forward to and just seeing each other and being with each other. And so I think that's a huge part of it too, is like just trusting that we will always come back together and we always have each other's back regardless. I think that helps a lot. Through our conversation today, we're gonna to talk a little bit about the successes and failures that you guys share together. But while we're on this string right now, I'm curious about how you guys learned what you've learned to get to the place that you're at right now. Were there sticking points mm -hmm. that you guys had along the way that you had to work through? And how did you come to this place of, of knowing that it was okay to bicker together, to having the trust, to, to working to this foundation that you have? Honestly, we've learned a lot from listening to podcasts. Um, mostly, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, kidding. Yeah, like seriously. podcasts like this, but also like a lot of um, psychology podcasts and relationship podcasts and just listening to way kind of other people have 
fought and then um, I read psychology books too. So I learned kind of the way therapists teach people how to deal with things. So a lot of it is we both read and we listen to podcasts to learn stuff. I've also had my parents have a healthy marriage. They've been married for probably over 40 years, you know, ups and downs, of course, but I've seen a, a happy relationship work. My brother has a happy relationship that works. I think for me, I've had friends who they've always had really good, happy relationships that have worked even through ups and downs, no matter what. I think seeing different relationships and seeing what works for each couple and then figuring out what works for us through some growing pains, like definitely the first two or three years of living together was probably our hardest. Probably the first year. Actually. The first year was probably the hardest year of our relationship because we were learning what each other needed and wanted and how we communicated. And also just, it was the first year together. So it was like, of course, a super happy time. We're just like, ah, this is great. And so I think that like jumping into it too soon where we still loved each other so much, we are going to work through anything. It didn't matter. That newness was a good thing for our relationship because we just knew like, it's just a growing pain. We're going to get through it. I think that's helped mainly. So now that we got through some of the hard stuff and we still really loved each other <laughs> and want to see each other all the time, it makes it easier now because we know like that love is still there. We just have, you know, stuff to work through. And now I think we're in it so far that <laughs> we don't want it. It's too much house to get out of it. Like, we're like no, no matter what, I don't care how unhappy I am. We're going to make this work. Well, we did get married <laughs> twice. We got married in two different countries. So it's going to be twice as hard to get divorced. Yeah. So we have to get divorced in two different countries as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I came from a, a much different background. Um, my parents uh, should never have been married. They were completely opposite personalities. Fought all the time. Uh, fought all the time. And that's why I witnessed as a child all the time. Um, and the fights weren't pretty. Um, so I had a lot of that to kind of grow up with and I never had any examples of any solid relationships that I could actually use as a, as a guide. Very rarely ever saw that. Um, so, and that continued um, all throughout my teenage years and into my, my 20s. I never really had an example or knew of those great relationships that worked really well. So it wasn't until more um, getting in as I got older and you know, paying attention to psychology classes in school and trying to understand myself um, and look for you know, some sort of direction and what seems to work well because uh, human behavior has always been an interest of mine anyway because I love my psychology classes because maybe you, you're taking them trying to figure out your own <laughs> issues. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the running joke in psychology. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's always in the background of always wanting something that was really solid and, and something that I could trust. And for some reason, the universe aligned that somehow Katie and I ran into each other at a pretty good time in our lives that uh, opened up those opportunities for us. But I think what really helped us later on, too, is listening to those podcasts and reading those books on people on relationships and how to get through it and you know, dealing with you know, some of my background issues as well. It's like, you know, why do I do those things? Why do I think I'm bad? It's like, it was good to kind of self-examine that as 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 you age as well because that way you know sometimes you don't go to those places because you, you feel vulnerable and you don't want to be exposed and you don't want to seem weak certainly from a male's perspective you don't want to seem weak in front of others but finding somebody you feel comfortable with and sharing uh, knowing that's not going to be used you know, against you uh, later on so that that really helped me a lot and definitely cried a lot um, and we're certainly not the same people we are when we met thank goodness <laughs> i know but also Mark is 10 years older than I am. And so I think that helped too. I was always, I would say more mature and responsible for my age anyways, but like Mark was, he had some growing up to do, I think. Oh, sure. But I, I mean, think, but I mean, I've been living in this country since I was 20, 20 years old by myself, mostly. So I didn't have a whole lot of parental guidance. Yeah, I was a good person, but you know, the good people make mistakes too. And I think I was young enough and immature enough to, I don't know, be patient, I guess. And like, we are kind of working through similar relationship things, even though it was 10 years different. We are kind of still in the same life timeline, I guess. Yeah. And so I think the fact that we just really, we loved each other, we wanted to be together. We had a lot of similarities anyways. We could easily grow through some of the, just communication growing phases, I think, and just learning, learning how to love without uh, hurting each other and um, just being patient with one another. I think that just took some time and, um, just knowing we're going to be together, we, we wanted to be together, we inherently love each other, and so it's a matter of just working through 
those little, those pesky details that, you know, can make uh, liking each other tough sometimes. Yeah, I think the, the big one is just the respect for each other as human beings. Um, you know, you really respect somebody. And so it, it makes it, it, it makes a, uh, it makes, it makes it easier to work through the bumps in the road when you really respect somebody and want, want to, you know, both move uh, forward as uh, personally as well as, you know, relationship wise as well. Mark, you had said something about being happy with yourself and that that was really a big uh, key for you. Could you say a little more about that? I think a lot of people, certainly when you were younger, but we're not comfortable in our own skin. Uh, we always like, I want to have more muscles. I want to be better looking. <laughs> I want to be, I want to have all these external things that as we know, um, uh, even in uh, Buddhist teachings is that, you know, once you achieve them, that satisfaction is gone. You're just looking for the next one. So I mean, you know, that desire is so fleeting uh, once you achieve it and then it's gone again. So I find that uh, just learning to accept yourself as a human being is not perfect, but um, it's also important to keep working at it and important to keep trying to be a better person, to learn new skills, to, to keep you know, keep your brain active as well, but I think it, it helps you be a better person. Um, and so once you start getting comfortable with who you are, I mean, this is, this is who I am. It's not always pretty, but I try to be pretty. You know, I try to be better, uh, and I'm going to continue to do that. So now you get to that point of being comfortable with yourself, it's a lot easier to be comfortable with somebody else. And certainly accept that, you know, they're not 100% perfect either because you, you can't judge anyone else as much as you can judge yourself. Yeah, I think some of it is like, since Mark deals a little bit of depression, sometimes he puts his unhappy, unhappiness on me. Like it's up to me to keep him happy. And I'm like, it's up to you. You've got to figure out what makes you happy, what you need to feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that he's still working on. We're working on together as like for me just recognizing that he might be feeling something and it has nothing to do with me but I can make his life easier <laughs> if I'm a little bit more sensitive to his needs that's one thing like I need to work on just as a person I don't have a ton of sympathy I just I don't know it's just the way I'm wired like I kind of go towards the tough side and just be like buck up you know as far as another day type thing and like he actually needs a little bit more um sensitivity and I've kind of figured that out, especially when he's in a down spot. Like I need to recognize that and uh, make more effort to just be more sensitive and see it. And so that's something we're actually been working on probably the last year or two. Yeah. Just kind of recognize that. And so noticing when, just noticing when he's unhappy that it could be a little bit of depression cooking in, but it also could be because I'm, I'm not being as sensitive as I need to. So work in progress, but uh yeah, we're getting through that. Yeah, I think sometimes your your happiness is you quite often look at it as you need to be happy with yourself. You can't look for happiness in others. You can't look for those external goods or people to make you happy. I mean, yeah, those things do make you happy, but internally you, you need to try to work towards those values that make you happy. Unfortunately, with depression, it kind of it wires your brain a little weird. Um, and so you end up looking for all the negative things to back up the feeling of why you feel negative and why you feel depressed. It's a kind of a weird way your brain's brain works like that. And even while you're in the middle of it, it's like, I know I'm, things aren't that bad, but if, you know, if nine things out of 10 are great, you only focus on the one bad thing to make yourself feel worse. It's such a strange uh, thing that your brain does. Um, but you know, learning to understand that, learning to work through it, uh, it's always a work in progress and it's different for everybody, but um, that's something I've been kind of trying to be more aware of in the last year or two. So I try to point out all the good stuff over and over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and reminding him that like, you know, it's not all bad and all the positive stuff and um, just trying to work through that part of it. Yeah. And you, you both are, are working toward a common goal, obviously for you, Katie, to be successful mm -hmm. in your career. And I'm curious uh, how you deal with the successes. And obviously, you don't have too many failures, but not that people see. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, how do you work through the successes and failures as a couple? You know, you know, pointing out the the positives in you know when things don't go exactly the way you want and appreciate mm -hmm. 
the successes. Yeah, and that's one thing, like, through the bike racing, Mark and I kind of feel the same thing. Like, he puts a 100% effort into making sure my bikes run great. He finds sponsorship dollars. He does all the support. Like, he's an integral part of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I have to make sure I bring 100% to the table, my physical ability to compete and race mentally, physically, and just show I show up for the day so I can get the results. And I, we both share, no matter what, if like I, like he rarely has a bad day, like mechanically, I'll say. I think I've had, the main issues I've had is maybe a few flats over the years, but mechanically my bikes have always been dialed. I've never had an issue unless I crash or get caught in something and like break a derailleur or break a shifter or something like that. That's usually my fault. But like, no matter what happens, like if I have a good day, it's also a good day for him. If I have a bad day, it's a bad day for him. And we definitely share that. We definitely feel the, we celebrate the same and we kind of deal with the disappointments the same way too. The good thing with Mark is when I'm going through a downside, if I'm like, I have quite a few seasons where I've just been sick or dealing with some my leg issues, like just having, just not feeling good, just, it's not there. And like, I've wanted to quit a few times where Mark has been really good about talking me off the edge and just like bringing me back and just be like, let's not make any decisions right now. Let's <laughs> let it sit for a couple months. Like, well, he's also still trying to, you know, resign sponsors and keep the money going. When I'm just like, I'm done. I'm not racing anymore. I'm over it. And he's like, taking care of everything else where I'm just trying to get my shit together. <laughs> and, and that's been good. So it's like thing, times like that where I really need him to do like the behind the scenes stuff that I just mentally don't have the capacity to do. And that's been, that's been huge. I think uh, share, since we're sharing all the uh, kind of emotions with bike racing and the paycheck, like my results depend on, you know, my bike's working well too and me not having mechanical issues too. And that's our paycheck. And so it's definitely the, the better I do on paper, the better we do just as a couple as, and just uh, as successful so we can pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, it looks, I mean, Katie's won a few races and everything looks amazing, but we've had a lot of bad days. We've mm -hmm. had um, sponsors pull out. We've just had injuries, illness. Um, all sorts of things coming back from world championships and finding out both dogs are dying. Um, and so that was brutal. Yeah. It's just all those things. And what, you know, I also look at is that I don't try to f look for the immediate fix is that I just try to point out the global picture and look at the long term. Let's not make a decision based on emotion today. I can't fix what you're feeling today. But let's just take a step back, look at the global picture and just see where, where we are. And, and then sometimes when things are bad, sometimes it's good just to have that global view rather than everything when you're feeling bad is myopic. Everything, you look up close, everything just immediately seems terrible. Uh, whereas in the long run, yeah, it usually, usually works out. I think that's Mark's like slight depression, <laughs> yeah. recognizing the fact that when I'm in my negative spot, just from things not going well, he, he knows exactly how that feels and can bring me out of it. So luckily, we do read each other well and can pull each other kind of out of that hole when needed. And luckily, we haven't, this paths haven't crossed at the same time, so we're not in the hole together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's just luck or the way like the world is balanced, but luckily that when one of us is up, the other's, other's down, and one down, the other's up, and then Certain no. times we're, we're both up and feeling good at the same time. Yeah, which I is think nice. <laughs> even at the times we're both down, it's like one of us is going to have to jump in and just try to keep our heads above water for a while longer. Uh, it just kind of works out like that. Um, I don't know why, but it just does. Katie, do you have a sense of what your career would have looked like without Mark? I don't think I would have been nearly as successful as I have been. It's, I'm specific because with my leg pains I've had in the, issue, in the past, health issues. Like I can't be on a normal team that travels like on whatever schedule they travel on. I need to make sure I have the right training days, the right travel days, enough recovery, race when I, when I can. I've got allergies, so I have to make sure my, my nutrition is dialed and I can't eat out wherever I wanna go. I think having Mark with me has been able, it's allowed me to dial in my training and my race schedule and my logistics to work the best for me, which has helped me perform well. Whereas if I was on a team, I don't think I would have the success. Um, I'm also really specific with equipment and tires I ride and bikes I ride, geometry, very specific with 
that stuff. And I can't just get on any bike and ride it fast. I need to make sure my equipment is dialed. And Mark's been an integral part of that too, making sure I, I get on the right equipment and have the right sponsors um, so I can be successful. And so I don't think with, without him, I don't think I would be here at all. And honestly, I wouldn't be racing cross again, at least <laughs> maybe not in the same capacity. I might have raced cross, but honestly, I don't think I would have. Um, I wouldn't have gone to nationals in 2004, that's for sure. Um, I may have gone to nationals when it was in Colorado because it's convenient, but he kind of pushed me to start racing. And I think he realized my potential because he, he'd seen more racing than I had. And I think it just helped me kind of push me and encourage me to, to go and, and, and see what I can do. And then also traveling in Europe, it's easier having a partner, being away from home. Like we get to share the stories together instead of have to relay the stories. It's when you're kind of living the day to day with somebody, you get to, you get to feel all the emotions, you get to feel all like the ups and downs. He can read my moods. Um, I can read his moods. We can just, you just learn about each other in a way that you can't really describe until you are thrown in the deep end and you're traveling in a country and everything's gone wrong and your flights are canceled, weather delays, you missed your planes, you've lost your luggage. You got food poisoning. You got food poisoning. <laughs> like there's so many things that come in that you don't realize until you travel with somebody and like, you know, the shit's hit the fan and you guys got to problem solve and not yell at each other in the process. And like, that's one thing Mark and I are really good at doing. And uh, it's also fun just to kind of experience those things yeah. and laugh about it later, even though maybe the during isn't, isn't so fun. Yeah, driving through France on one night, looking for some town, realizing it's in a, it, because in France, they have these small areas like counties or states. The problem is the town is the same town in two different regions 10 hours apart of so show. instead of going uh left we went right and we're running out of gas in the countryside and we still can't figure out where this town is and it's yeah, france it's france and you put the town in the gps and the it pops up but they're two separate towns and you pick the wrong one yeah and we were, we were driving like a big team van on tiny little golf court golf cart with roads running out of gas it's 11 o'clock at night, not, no gas stations open for, you know, yeah. ATM card. So you only got to pay cash. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. And then trying to figure out where we're going and the hotel, I booked like a kind of bed and breakfast because it's in the middle of nowhere, France, and nobody spoke English too. And I'm just like trying to figure out how to get to this hotel. Mark's trying to drive. We're both tired, cranky, and hungry. And we're like, we managed to get the hotel without killing each other yeah <laughs> managed to find diesel managed to get diesel get, get yeah find directions to the correct town we, we got into the hotel and got into bed at like one o'clock in the morning we're like i cannot believe we just did that <laughs> that was an adventure and then like in prague we flew into prague and then um the gps maps didn't load into the gps and then if you've been to check like you can't read any sign it's like at least a lot of language you can kind of figure out where you're going. Yeah, not in check. Not in check. And I'd printed out, just in case the GPS was going to fail on us, I'd printed out the map to the hotel and everything, but I left it back in the house. He forgot, he left it on the coffee <laughs> table. Yeah, so we arrive into Prague, the GPS maps don't load. We don't even know what hotel we're staying in, or like we know the town, but we don't have a map. We don't have like print out the map. We're trying to leave the airport, and I have no idea how we managed, but we got to the hotel we're staying in yeah. in the middle of the countryside in Czech Republic. It probably took an extra two or three hours more than it should have, but we made it. And I don't know how, but we figured it out and problem solved. And we <laughs> with had a van that uh, had bald tires, and yeah, we had rented a van with bald tires and low on oil. And it's, yeah, so we're running out of oil during that drive, so we have to stop and get oil. Uh, and then um, there's a race in Czech Republic the following week, and so the drive from one town to the next, it snowed, so we're driving a van with bald tires. In the snow, in, in a rear-wheel drive. It was just one of those, like, yeah. But that's, in Prague, that was our option for renting a vehicle. We needed a van, and that was the option. So we're just like, well, note to sell, figure out a better way next time. Yeah. <laughs> But like adventures like that where you can't really explain how hard they are, but you can share that experience. And now we look back, we're just, we think it's funny and we're like, well, it's not as bad as prop. Like it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people forget that, you know, adventures mean that sometimes adventures aren't fun. 
you know, adventures are hard. They're challenging. Um, you're not going to enjoy it. But, you know, there's lessons al along the way. And afterwards, you know, you, you can turn it into a pretty entertaining story. And, yeah, remember that time. And, it, it, you know, it's just adventures not always pretty. But it's definitely um, a fun, fun thing to do. We'd, we'd still enjoy it. <laughs> so we work together. Um, we live together. We spend a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. um, so we know the challenges of trying to to sort of maintain sanity and and all that do you have strategies for that do you have sort of a like a race free or or cycling free times where it's just like you don't talk about bike racing how do you guys make that work we go through stages usually during the season it's full-on bike racing anyways but the thing is mark and i both enjoy talking about bike racing so that's also a problem but no, we don't really have any like uh, no go conversations. We just, uh, as we go through moods, like it'll come up. And honestly, a way to not want to talk about it if somebody, if say Mark wants to talk about bike racing, I'll just kind of do short answers and he gets, he's like, oh yeah, she's not in the mood. And we just change the subject. <laughs> so it's like, and the same thing where if I'm talking about something and Mark's not interested, you get the uh huh, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> And then you're like, all right, and you move on to something else. So it's like, I think, and that's just spending time together, I think, where we can, anything that comes up in our mind, we can talk about as, as needed. It's just a matter, as you can tell, when somebody is, is just not in the mood for it and just move on to something else. There's various times, usually at the end of the season, we're pretty bike done with out. bike racing. Yeah. So we generally don't talk about it in February and March. And, you know, historically, certainly when we were putting a lot of emotional stock into winning world championships, mm -hmm. is that February was usually a pretty depressing time for us. <laughs> uh, we're both mentally and physically exhausted. Uh, worlds didn't go well. And it's cold, it's snowy, and you just, is stuck on the couch watching TV or reading a book. Or the last thing you want to do is think about bike racing and talking about it. So there's-, there's yes. It goes up and down. I, so I think that's, it, we kind of naturally go through the withdrawal where like, I think February, mid-February, March, April, there's not a lot of bike racing conversation. I think the only conversation is mostly logistics and maybe planning for the next season. Like, <laughs> am I still going to do it? Like, mm -hmm. what do we want to do? Are we going to spend more time in Europe, more time in the U.S.? Like kind of, we have a idea of more scheduling issues logistics scheduling and budgeting issues more than actually bike racing issues like and that kind of ebbs and flows through the through the year depending on the need i'll say and then like when uh well this year is an exception but like when the classics come on i'm sometimes i'm just still not in the mood mark wants to watch the bike racing i'm like i'm i'm not in the mood i'm gonna do, go do something else and that's probably good because we get we get to spend time away from each other <laughs> Um, but a lot of just kind of reading each other's moods and deciding to have that discussion or, or moving on to something else. Yeah, and uh, you know, we've got you know, usually the dogs or a dog to keep us entertained uh, as well and pull us away from bike racing. And mm -hmm. I know that if I'm watching the classics and Katie's not watching, I don't really, I know she's not going to want to talk about them. So it's like, that's a conversation I know that doesn't need to be had mm -hmm. uh, because it's just not going to go anywhere. So why, why set ourselves up for, for that failure? Mm -hmm. um you know you, you read the room <laughs> do does she want to talk about bikes does she not want to talk about bikes let's not talk about bikes let's talk about something else or he just turns star trek on and i leave the house <laughs> could motivate her to when she's waffling about getting out on a train ride like, he just turns star trek on i'm like all right i'm leaving i'm leaving <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys yeah. have a sense of what may change in your relationship when you do retire, Katie? Honestly, it'll probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't have the stresses of... We won't have the stress of bike racing. We won't have the stresses of results, like, and then paycheck, depending on those results. Yeah. Mark will also be able to do more things he's interested in, um, which I think, I think will be good. I think I'm going to probably go to school, go back to school for nursing or get my real estate license, or maybe both, I'm not quite sure yet. I'll stay in the world as a cycling coach and Mark will still keep coaching. So in some capacity, like I'll always be on the bike. I'm gonna be racing my bike and riding my bike in some capacity, obviously not as serious, but uh, I just, I love the bike world. I love riding my bike and Mark does too. So like the cycling part of it won't change. 
the competitive part probably will, but we'll still go on adventures. We'll still probably spend more time in Colorado and actually spend more time being together without having to worry about result-based togetherness, which I think will probably be a good thing. Yeah, you're not always, I mean, when you tie your income to your hobby or your passion, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good days and there's a lot of bad days when it's stressful. So it's kind of nice to know that you know, going for a bike ride isn't gonna you know uh, is something we can actually just go enjoy. You don't have to go about well, my legs aren't feeling good. I need to recover. Or I've got this race next got, week. Or... Yeah, things like that. So and we both still have. I mean, I I'm interested in real estate. I'm interested in medicine. So we both have those things. Um, I'm still going to be probably racing autocross in the car and doing a few other things, trying a few different things out that I haven't normally been able to do. But also that comes into, and we have a lot of free time. So once we actually end up with real jobs, that some of that free time goes away. <laughs> so Which just might be, might be a challenge in itself because every day is Saturday, really. And so when the whole COVID issue happened, like we're like, this is typical. This, this is, is normal. <laughs> this is what we do. Nothing has changed. Everyone's like, how do you not get bored? It's like, you'd be surprised how you can fill your day yeah. when you're used to not filling your day. <laughs> you can be surprised how much Netflix you can watch, how much you can learn to cook, baking things, get the dog out. Like a 30 minute hike turns into two hours and you're like, oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> when you're at, yeah. You know, like if you don't have anything to get back to, it's amazing how you can spend your day doing nothing and then be yeah. tired by the end of it. You're like, huh, yeah. I don't know what I did, but I kept it busy. It's another day. Yeah. Can you yeah. take a few moments and share with us why love matters for you? Ooh, why love matters. Hmm. I think it's a support. It's a, it's a feel good. It's knowing that you have somebody to spend your moments with, whether good or bad. And then just, I think being a part of something. Is, is good. It's always, it, I love having him around to just laugh with, hang out with, have random discussions with, conversations, you know, just go walk the dog together, whether we talk or not. It's just having that some person, that person there as your partner and maybe partner in crime. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nice. It, I think it's just nice having that person around that, you know, is always going to be there and uh through thick and thin and to laugh with and to cry with and to kind of share all those emotional moments that uh you know you may not always get with other people that's a tough that's a tough question. yeah that's a really challenging <laughs> one um takes some time to really reflect uh on but it is having someone that you can trust and not not feeling like you have to put yourself out there you just know that the person's always there there's just a comfort. It's like you've always got a shadow. You've always got this comfort in that this person is there for you. Um, and by the same token, you know, love requires work. Um, and so that's where I think, I think guys personally get a little bit lazy in that area. Uh, we get too comfortable. Um, and so we don't think that area needs work. But, you know, we're both in that area of, no, we need to keep working at this. And I think that's what makes it work for us because if we love ourselves, we can love each other. And I think that's an important part of it is just knowing that, you know, come, coming with, you know, understanding yourself makes it a lot easier to understand somebody else. Yeah, and just it, the great thing is, is that we talk and we're quite okay with not talking. You know, the, the, the silence is golden. You know, it's, we can do a four-hour training ride together and barely say a word to each other, yeah. but we love spending, t you know, just knowing that that person is there um, without even saying anything. But that's also part of it is, like, we both listen to podcasts on bike rides, and so we'll start the ride. I'm like, are you going to listen to music or are you doing a podcast? Because, like, if music, that means we can have a conversation. If it's a podcast, I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm trying to focus and listen. Yeah. And like, you can tell when one of us has music and one of us has a podcast because one of the music is always like starts asking questions, and one of us responds is like, don't talk to me. Like, oh, or you just kind of get the disgruntled like, let me pause my podcast. Hold on. Um, but like, that's one thing. Like going out on a long bike ride where we're spending four or five hours, it's nice to be have somebody with you just for the company, just something happens, like you're not alone in you know, Eastern Colorado, 50 miles from home or civilization, but yet you have a podcast, which I just want to listen to anyway. 
and learn something and be entertained that isn't, I'm not necessarily alone, but yet I'm still kind of learning and have them here. But yeah, we'll do, we'll do long rides and uh, only conversation is what direction are we going to go? Yeah. And should we turn here? <laughs> yeah. Which is good. It works for us. And yeah, we don't, we don't need to fill the empty spots in a day. You know, you don't feel the desire like, yeah. oh, I need to say something or I need to mm. keep this conversation rolling or uh, it's, a, it's, it's that comfort of just being together and knowing that you, you don't need to talk all the time. Mm. You can just be there for each other. And that's, it's a really puzzling one because, I mean, what is love? I mean, it's, well, it's a chemical reaction, it's a feeling, it's, it's a lot of different things. And, you know, those, those things make you feel good and it allows you to, you know, kind of discover who you are as well, uh, which is, yeah, really, really interesting because, I mean, maybe you wouldn't go there if you weren't kind of exploring those feelings or ideas. Um, you'd just be just trying to earn a paycheck and trying to be happy playing games or riding your bike or whatever. It's, it's, it's not an easy one to answer. Well, we certainly admire what you guys have been able to, to do. You've made it work, you know, not just as a, as a couple, but as a career or profession. And so, you know, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to share some of that with us to let folks know that it takes work. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's our, our first yeah. reaction about love is it takes work. Yeah. And no, you know, I mean, anything worthwhile is, you know, if you work hard for it, it's always the value of it is much higher than something that, you know, you, you receive with very little work um, put on. Um, it's it, when you get things too easy handed to you or you earn things too easily, there's just very little intrinsic value in it. Whereas the things that you work really hard for, the intrinsic value is much higher and greater. Well, hopefully, uh, things get back on track for racing and we get to see yeah. you there again this fall and uh, for a couple more years. Is there a way that people can find you um, and follow you, uh, social media or website or? Um, yeah, I, I'm at Katie F. and Compton on Twitter and Instagram. And then I think it's Katie Compton Racing on Facebook. I'm Mr. Katie Compton on Twitter. Well, great. Thank you so much for your time and your openness. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure that anybody who listens is going to learn a lot about how to navigate. How long have you guys been together? I don't think we talked about that. 16 years and married for 12. So yeah. true it's, success. Yeah. 24-7 for 16 years pretty much. pretty much so i figure if we made it this far we're gonna keep going yeah <laughs> yeah no thanks for this opportunity because it kind of gave us some things to think about again like oh yeah that's a good reminder yeah it was fun it was good looking through the questions and like thinking about it and like helping us talk about things that we haven't really talked about because we don't we didn't feel like the need to but this is kind of fun kind of circling back and going over things and just being like oh, okay yeah we did we still do we do like each other and we do get along <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. I really cool. appreciate it. It was great to meet you, talk with you. Um, yeah, you too. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah, thanks. And we'll keep you in mind if we ever have relationship issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we it, don't, so, you know. We don't. <laughs> yeah, no, you're always perfect yeah. too, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. You can find the Love Matters podcast on iTunes or learn more about our work at aspenrelationship.com.